Thank you, Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Sunday morning. Somebody say Sunday morning. I am going to preach on being filled with the Holy Ghost. Not what the Holy Ghost is doing was, but I'm going to be preaching on being filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you know people that are not filled with the Holy Ghost, then I encourage you to bring them. And we're going to be preaching, we're going to be laying hands on them, they're going to be getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And everybody needs the Holy Ghost. Uh, You are not equipped. Jesus came anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And if he needed it, we need it. Amen. The devil hasn't changed. The world hasn't got any less wicked, hasn't got any less dark. The devil is still the devil and God desires to be God. Amen. So, Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, we're going to be preaching on being filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, we may, yeah, we'll, we'll get into a lot of different stuff. But tonight, let's turn our Bibles to John 14, 23. Hallelujah. I was going to teach on, you know, after Easter on Wednesday nights, we're going to start teaching a series about the uh, basic doctrines of Christ. There are 13 of them. They're found in Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. And they cover everything from the new birth, faith in God, new birth, and uh, even eschatology. And we'll be teaching, teaching about that end times and so forth. And uh, there is, uh, you know, a great gap in eschatology being taught today uh, about the rapture and so forth. Our hope is the rapture of the church. Amen? And people say, well, I don't believe in the rapture. Well, you can stay here. (laughs) Really don't want to argue with you. Jesus said he's coming back and he's going to catch those that are dead in Christ up with him first and then those that are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air ever to be with the Lord. And if you want to miss that trip, that's great. Just miss it. You'll regret it. Hallelujah. So, uh, but I'm going to uh, start teaching that right after Easter. The week after Easter, we're going to start talking about the doctrines of uh, the Scripture and the doctrines of Christ. And we need to lay them so that we can go on into perfection, Hebrews 6, 3. So, but tonight we're going to look at John 14, 23. John 14, 23. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about loving God. You would almost think that it's impossible to express our love for God when He is love. That's all that God is. God is love. And, uh, but we can love God and therefore release God's love into our life. You know, it's been said a million times wrongly that God loves unconditionally. No, God gives His love unconditionally at the cross. But nobody can receive that love without the condition of faith. And so you can, you can say what you want to say, but it's really not true. Well, you know, you, you can't do anything to earn the love of God. Well, the Bible says that's 
not true. So in John, the 14th chapter, and verse 23, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man will love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which I say, or that ye hear, is not my word, but the word of the Father which sent me. Now these things that I have spoken unto you, that you being present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things back to your remembrance, whatsoever things I have said unto you. Now, let's go back up to verse 23. Because it's real simple, we just need to read it. You know, there is this belief system that because somebody says it enough, we're supposed to believe it. But the belief system of God is that he wrote these things that we may read them and believe. So we have to choose what we're going to believe. And we can't hear what people are saying to us. We need to read the Bible. Amen? And the Bible says in verse 23, And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, if, if, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. Notice that if a man doesn't love Jesus in the way that Jesus has just said, now I didn't say this, the Father will not love him. There went your religious spoke. The Father will not love him. So that tells me that the love of God is given without condition, but it is not received, nor is it experienced without condition. And sometimes we think that we just tell, get to tell God what he should do and how he's supposed to do it. And I know that many of you, but, but I've always heard. Well, that's the problem. We need to quit always hearing and we need to read. Just read the Bible. Amen? And it says this, And he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we, the Father and I, will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not of me, but the Father which sent me. So here we have a very simplistic outlay that God's love is available to any man. He needs to receive, first of all, salvation through Christ Jesus. God so loved the world, he expressed that love at the cross. That was the unconditional provision. But just because God provides something doesn't mean that people 
can receive it. Remember when Paul said in Acts the 19th chapter, have you received the Holy Ghost? They said, we never even knew that there was anything like the Holy Ghost. We haven't heard about that. So they couldn't receive it because of ignorance, a lack of information. And then there are people that can't receive that which God freely demonstrated and gave at Calvary unconditionally, they can't receive it because they refuse to do or to meet the requirements. Now, I didn't write this. It's right here in the Bible. Now, you can bend your head and read it yourself. This is the misconception of Christianity that just because we're saved, that everything's going to be okay. Well, everything's not going to be okay. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God will deliver us out of them all if you meet the conditions of deliverance. Now, so here it tells us that Jesus said, if you love me, David, you're going to keep my commandments. Now, how do we love God? You're kidding me. You got it. Now, now what did it say? Keep my commandments. All disobedience or proclamations of the rejection of God and the hatred towards the Father. And you say, oh, those are strong words. Okay, uh, let's sweeten them up so that you can eat them like a, a what a crack, Calsberry uh, chocolate egg. A cow, what is it? Calsberry chocolate egg. Maybe that'll make you feel better. You know that God wants you to have all these things. It doesn't matter what you do. He's just going to do right by you. That's not true. That is a false Christianity. When the Bible says that if you declare that he is Lord, then you do what he said. And if you don't do what he says, you can't declare lordship over your life. Amen. And so it's real simple. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Is that what it said? Yes. Okay. How can we love God? Keep his commandments. No options. Keep his commandments. Now, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. In other words, if we're going to keep God's commandments, we have to prefer him above ourselves. We have to put his way before our way. And we might think that's simple, but that's the struggle of every believer. It's not that God hasn't given us a way out of every situation. It's that we struggle believing that he's really going to do it. And so we choose other options. So the first thing we're going to have to keep, somebody say keep, keep. his commandments. His so if you really want to love God, just be obedient. Keep all his commandments. Now some people say, well, what is the commandments? Well, of course, love your brother as yourself and love your enemy. And, but really, it's every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. If you say, well, God, what do you want me to do in this time of need? Give. That's a commandment. It's not an option. He has commanded and ordered our steps. 
So we as Christians have to obey the Lord. And when we obey God, guess what? He loves us. The Son loves us. They join together and they make their abode in us. In other words, all of the enablement of the Trinity comes to the rescue of the believer when we keep His commandments. When we simply love God, just put Him first. I don't know if you've ever heard this, we've been bought with a price. And we are not our... So we belong to who? When it's convenient. When do we belong to the Lord? All the time. But we see many Christians living carnally, you know, living haphazardly, living a half-holy life, living lives of compromise, living lives behind closed doors that they would never live uh, if the doors were open because they simply believe that they're bought with a price, but they still have ownership of their life. That's not Christianity. Christianity means that a man has died to himself and come alive to one Christ Jesus. Christianity means that we have relinquished all rights of personal will and expression and have surrendered ourselves to His. That's Christianity. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. Christianity is not the slot machine of the Western civilization. People, I mean, I've met people that backslid because they didn't get the car they were believing for. Now, what does that, do? what, what does that mean? That means that there was no way even close to Christianity were those people living. They were living living in a greed-infested world where they thought God would do what they said every time. And if they don't, the big threat is, well, I'm going to backslide. As if God's the one that loses out. He's already got eternal life. Oh, but, but God's sad when we backslide. But he doesn't leave the throne and he doesn't stop being God. And you're the one that made the choice. His choice is no one will pluck you out of your hand, my hand. But if you're dumb enough to jump, I won't raise the fence. Jesus never laid hold of anybody, tied them up so they couldn't sin. Because he couldn't stop them even if he bound them and put them in prison. Because his brain would carry it out. You can't stop people from sinning. If you shackle them, their mind will still commit the sin. Amen? Absolutely. So you say, well, well, I didn't really steal it. But you were looking for a way to steal it. So did you already steal it? Well, yeah, I guess if I planned it in my heart and that was my purpose and all that, I guess I did steal it. I guess you did too. And so 
we as Christians, really, and I, I say this, and no, no disrespect, but I'm telling you that 90% of the church doesn't even know what Christianity is. We get offended because somebody sat in our pew on Sunday morning, and you call that persecution. Let me take you over and show you somebody that had their eyes plucked out or their arm cut off for Christianity. Let me take you and show you a whole household slain with a machete because of their Christian faith. Let me show you what persecution really is because we have never tasted it. And so when we talk about Christianity, we talk about God and heaven being Las Vegas. And hopefully, we give to God and we command the Lord. We say, well, the Bible does say we command the Lord. The Bible does say you command the Lord, but you have no authority to command God. You have an authority to remind Him. Therefore, He always watches over His Word and he has commanded himself. Amen. Man cannot manipulate God. No. And so I think that it would be good that we remember that just because we have access to heaven, that God is not going to go bankrupt if we don't buy heaven's Big Macs. Amen. Yes, we, we treat heaven so pathetically that most Christians have no honor for God in their life at all. Well, what do you mean I honor God? You certainly do when it's convenient. But honor means that all the time, His way or no way. And we're not going to take a poll of how many people disobeyed that today. We do it all the time. Some way we think that God can't live without us. But remember what he told Moses. Once you get out of the way, I'll kill them all. And I'll raise up a brand new nation out of you, Moses. Now, I don't know how many wives Moses would have needed to do that. I don't know how long he would have needed to live. But God would have done it. And it's only because of Moses' intercession, did God not destroy Israel? And we think they're so brutish and so forward and so hard. But if you want to see Israel in the 21st century, just look at the church. And so when we say that we love God, think of what God said He asked you to do that it's not in word only, but in deed and in truth. Now, how do we love God? Keep His commandments. When? All the time. All the time. Now, when we look at doing that, how easy is it to get lukewarm? It's pretty easy, isn't it? And we get lukewarm and we don't even know it. 
I'm so glad you're happy. Let's go to 1 John, 1 John, the 5th chapter, and verse 7. This is a lot of scriptures, but we're going to read them. 1 John, I'm sorry, the 4th chapter, and verse 7. This is another way that we love God. It's not an option. These are the only ways that we leave God. And I'm not trying to dog you and throw water on your parade, but you know it is time that we wake up. I mean, how about if God said we were going to cast out devils, have you ever questioned yourself why they never come out with you? We never question ourselves. We always blame other things. We twist doctrine, we twist the sayings of God because we don't meet the criteria to do what God said that we would do. I mean, when, when, when I pray for somebody that's blind, blind eye don't come open, I don't say, well, I guess God didn't want it. Now, that would be a lie. Oh, well, you know, maybe God just, you know, later he's going to heal you. That's not true at all. Because faith is always now. And so, but we create all these doctrines to justify ourselves. But if a blind eye don't get open, I don't say, well, God, what's the problem with those people? Not a problem with those people, it's a problem with me. Oh, but they don't have faith, they don't have this. Then why did you call them up? If I feel like God wants me to call somebody out, it has nothing to do with their faith. Right. has everything to do with me and God. Amen. 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 And if I'm sowing seed for a miracle and the harvest doesn't come, I don't say, well, God, what'd you do wrong? I start looking at myself or Phyllis, which, which is the easiest, the conclusion. But you don't Start looking at ways to push it off on God or to blame it on somebody else. I had a lady one time tell me, she said, I got all the faith in the world that this blind eye is going to open. I said, well, if you had all the faith in the world, sweetheart, you wouldn't be standing here waiting to see me. But I got all the faith in the world. I said, okay, so I'll, I'll just lay my hands on you and pray and Let's see what your faith does. She's blind as a bat. But then when I said, really, you just think you know something. So how about you just let me pray for you, and I'll have faith for your blind eye. And you know what? Then she got to see how good looking I was. <laughs> see, we, we just are afraid to take responsibility. True. God has never failed me, but I failed him a thousand times, Amen. millions of times. And we don't, God doesn't fail us. Our faith doesn't fail. We fail faith. Now, 1 John 4, 7. Wow, loving God. I thought this was going to be a marshmallow message. Now, and it says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 
In this was manifest the love of God towards us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Now remember, we're talking about how we can love God. And then he says this, No man has seen God at any time. If you love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Here by know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And if we know, we have known him, and believe the love of God that hath to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we might have boldness as in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. That is, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment, and that fear, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother he is a liar and he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen how can he love God whom he hath not seen and this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God loveth his brother also now the first way that we love God is to keep his commandments. Right? right. His way, always. always. The second way is that we love the brother. If we do not love the brother in any aspect that is defined by love, then we don't love God. Now that's pretty tough. That means we got to love the unlovable. That means we have to love our enemies. That means that we have to love our brother above ourselves. Love our neighbor as ourselves. What would you want somebody doing to you in a hard time? Then that's what we are to do for them. Absolutely. Now we are very poetic at saying, man, I, I just love the brother, man. I, I love people. But you never do anything for them. I would say you don't love them at all. Because we love in word and in deed. So if we don't respond to people's needs, their hardships, their brokenness, their struggles, if we have this world's goods, and see somebody's needs and don't meet them, then how dwells the love of God in us? 
In other words, we don't have any love for God because we aren't responding the way that God that dwells in us would respond. Amen? Amen. What if we all took one day, 24 hours? Are you pretty good at 24-hour things? Sure. You could do something for 24 hours sure. and, and not just lose your mind. <clears throat> Tomorrow, we all get up and we proclaim it Jesus' day. And we do everything that Jesus would do to the people that we run into. No matter what it is, we would do just what Jesus would do if he was here. No more pointing people to the highway that doesn't exist. No more being aggravated. No more being angry. No more being quick to say something when you don't even know one iota about what's going on. Amen. Not speaking one thing, not believing one evil thing about anybody Amen. in a day, including your wife and your husband. And you know, everybody does that. I get up in the morning, I think, you know, if Phyllis would just keep her junk over there, I could have a nice space. But you know, she throws it all over on my sink, thinking or hoping I'm going to get it wet and then try to move it. But I'm wiser than that now. I don't do that. I just try to move it all over. Tell me how a woman has an eight-foot counter and a makeup place that she doesn't ever use and a makeup chair that has a towel over it so it don't get dirty. Why even have the chair there? And then she's right beside mine and I've got like a four-foot and she owns two foot of it. Now my personal thinking in the morning is, why doesn't she just put it back? But tomorrow I'm not going to think that. I'm going to push it right on the floor and say, you know what? Jesus, open her eyes that she don't trip over that. That would be the fair thing to do. But we all think things less, even of people that live with us, people that we work with, people that we come in contact with, because that Adamic nature is still alive in believers. And we got to put it off. So if we're going to love God, the measuring stick is that we keep his commandments. The second thing is, people have to see us loving them as if God was loving us. Amen. Now, I think that we all think, oh, well, I could do that tomorrow. It will be a, the world will be a better place. If we can accomplish that for 24 hours in a day. We're going to call it Jesus Day. 
When they say, oh, that's nice of you, say, don't expect that tomorrow, brother. <laughs> Today is the only day I'm buying you a cup of coffee. So we're going to have Jesus Day. And no matter what it takes, we're going to do it as if Jesus was that person. And we're going to express our love to them as if it was him in person. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're all going to sleep in tomorrow. No, but re really, do, do you really? These are the things that allow God and the Father will love you. In other words, he will ravish you with abundance of blessing because he will not be able to contain himself. Now, that, that's what God wants to do. Now, let's go to one more scripture and we're going to wrap up here. We're going to go to Romans, the 8th chapter, and verse 28. And I kid Phyllis, and you all know that I love Phyllis deeply. I love her to her grave. I'll love her after her grave. Might love her more after her grave. No. I love Phyllis. Romans. Oh, yeah, that's where I am. Romans, the eighth chapter. Uh, all right, Romans, the eighth chapter and verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that... Everything is going to turn out good if... If we love God. So if you want everything to turn out right, every battle to be successful, every attack of disease to be transformed into a bed of healing, every need to be transformed into an abundance, what do we have to do? We have to love God. What's the criteria of loving God? Keep His commandments and love everybody the way that God has loved you. He gave his life for you. So, now we see something that when we're in crisis, if we love God, we will do what? Keep his commandments. And if you will keep his commandments in a crisis, you become a doer of the word. And the blessing from being a doer or a keeper of the commandments of God is victory. Right? So when we get into battles and all that kind of stuff, all you got to do is love God. Just keep his commandments. Don't get off track. Don't start crying, oh Jesus, where are you? Don't start whining, don't start moaning, don't start disbelieving, don't start blaming, don't do anything. Just keep his commandments. Amen. If you're in financial need, you sow a seed. 
and you keep giving and you keep thanking Him, you still give offerings of praise and thanksgiving unto God, and you keep, 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 keep His commandments. That's all you have to do. The devil cannot win when you are in love with God and God is showering you with abundance. You think about Abraham. God said, he's my eternal friend. You mess with him, you mess with me. He told Israel, my enemies will be your enemies. But many times we see us fighting battles that we don't win. Why? Because someplace along the line, we stop doing his commandment for that situation. We stop loving other people. I had a man come into my office one time and he said, <clears throat> Pastor, I just stopped by. He said, I'm a truck driver. Stop by for you to pray for me. I said, okay. Well, what's wrong with you? He said, uh, I got back problems. And he said, I'm telling you, I mean, I really got back problems. I, I can't hardly walk. He said, and it really affects my, my job, my truck driving. And I said, okay. So I, I just kept talking because I didn't know what to do. And I didn't feel like I wanted to pray for him. And uh, so I said this to him. I said, if I was you and I was sick, I would go buy groceries and I would go out and I would minister to the poor. And I gave him Psalms 41, 1 through 5. That said, if you consider the poor, that God will bless you on this earth. He'll turn your bed of sickness and disease into a bed of celebration. So, and I thought to myself, but God, he wants me to pray for him. God said, he doesn't need prayer. What he needs to do is do what he knows to do. And that was the greatest release of faith. Not to piggyback off of somebody else's faith, but to set in motion something that would radically make a difference in his life. Amen. And he didn't like that. Now, I felt bad that he wouldn't do what God wanted him to do, but it didn't affect me. I didn't have back problems. So he left my office the same way he came in. Disgruntled, Complaining, except he had me on the list now. And he went down the road, stayed sick. And as far as I know, 20 years later, he's still sick. Isn't that a horrible thing? Because he was just bone lazy. I told him what to do, and he wouldn't do it. Be like Elisha telling Nathan, Amen. Go down there and dip seven times in the Jordan. I ain't going down there. Oh, okay. Then go home with leprosy. So, how? What do we do in the midst of crisis so that everything turns out beautiful? Don't you want beautiful lives? I, I want everything to be a bed of roses without the thorns. So, when I'm in a crisis. I want to love God. Why? 
Because it's not whether I'm glorified. It's not whether I get something. It's whether God is revealed to the world. So if I will keep his commandments, he will reveal himself to the world and grant me a good end. Amen? Amen? So we keep his commandments. Somebody say, keep his commandments. And then we love the brethren the same way he loved us. We give our lives. Give our lives. And then we want things to come out good. Just keep doing his commandments no matter how bad it gets. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's stand our feet. Sunday morning, don't forget to bring people don't have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We want to believe God, they can bring him, even if they're a sinner, bring him. Well, God won't fill them with the Holy Ghost. I know, but he might save them. And then fill them with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus. Now, God, I believe that people sincerely want to love you. And I I do, God, sincerely believe that people think they're loving you. But God, I ask you that tomorrow, on Jesus' day, that you would open our eyes and let us love as if we were loving Jesus as we meet other people. I ask God that you would open our eyes that we would really see the depth of our love by the commitment of our obedience. Now, God, go with the people. Refresh them, strengthen them. Keep them, God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.